This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore, and this is The Breakfast Wrap for this Thursday, the 1st of June. We've got a two-day heat event that begins today. Temperatures between 29 and 31 degrees by day overnight, not breaking below 20 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, leading mayoral candidates turn their fire on Olivia Chow. Number two, a 14-year-old has been arrested in that TTC fireworks incident. Number three, the special rapporteur, David Johnston, refuses to go. Number four, a heat warning in effect for the next two days. And number five, Pride Month launches amidst tensions. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Hey, look at that. We made it to a new month. Welcome to the month of June. One of my favorite months. I mean, I'm I'm not trolling or anything or fishing for anything, but it is my birthday month. Uh, But it's also Pride Month. The weather takes its turn and the hope of summer is still there as opposed to sort of the melancholy that can set in toward the end of summer where you think, whatever happened to all those kayak trips I was supposed to take? Uh, The big takeaway would definitely be, aside from welcome to Pride Month, in spite of whatever tensions there may be out there, uh, the weather is going to be hot today. It was hot yesterday, and officially we have a heat event. So govern yourselves accordingly, as the lawyers like to say. Uh, But we're looking at, uh, yes, sunny today, but a high of 31 degrees. Humidex making that feel like 34. And there's the usual caution not actually caution, I guess, but proviso that it's going to be cooler closer to the lake. But I think most people know that. Um, and then tomorrow again, 31 with a humidex of 34 degrees. Things are going to cool off markedly by the weekend. But yeah, we've got two days where it's going to be hot. And you know me, I am not one of those people who's now going to go into the shopping list of cautions. I think you're all adults and you know how to behave when things get hot. So, you know, I used to always say, don't run through the house with a boiling kettle of water on the end of a broomstick sticking out of your mouth. I mean, it's just, these these are things that we all know. So let's keep moving. Mind you, the latest trend I have noticed in pet care, we're always coming up with new crises for pets, even though, you know, dogs used to survive by themselves in the wild, fine. Although in the wild, you don't have asphalt. But still, I've noticed more and more people putting booties on their dog's paws because of the heat. And, you know, I've I've had a dog for a good long time. And there are days where I think, okay, he doesn't look terribly comfortable on this particular piece of hot pavement, so maybe we'll move on. But the idea that you have to start getting your dog out with uh, booties over the heat seems fairly novel. But I get it. We're always looking for something else to buy for the dog. So there was another mayoral debate last night. And the thing I'm curious about in these, and we actually have some reporters who are going to join us later on in the show who watched it from start to finish. I was busy at a very bizarre event last night, and I'll tell you more about that later because it's not newsworthy. But the what I find interesting in these debates is how they start to take on their own shape. And as we draw closer to election day, 
candidates are making certain choices about who they want to attack. And the geometry is really complicated because first you go after the front runner. Okay, so everybody's going after Olivia Chow. But then who is your chief rival? If you can bring Chow down, then who else do you have to diminish in order to make it to the finish line? And then you get into all kinds of other geometry where you need to think, you know, what if I'm attacking Olivia Chow, but she becomes the mayor and I'm a sitting city councillor and I need to deal with her, so I don't want there to be recrimination and bitterness. So all of that, plus the stakes of drawing closer and closer to election day and things starting to gel. But it was very clear that everybody was after Olivia Chow last night. I find this aspect of the election to be fascinating because, and maybe part of it is because I live within, I wouldn't call it the bubble because I get out enough, but there is a certain ecosphere of talk radio, which is that it's bound to be on, a, on the more conservative side, both the listeners and many of the hosts. So Olivia Chow clearly has traction and popularity because she, like the next closest rival, has half the percentage of her vote and support. And yet I hear nothing but every single day people expressing this almost terrified fear of Olivia Chow becoming the mayor of Toronto. So let's uh, listen in on some of the action. Here's Mark Saunders, who really does have to land a few punches if he's going to stand out because the campaign has been somewhat lackadaisical so far. So Saunders Chow and a little Mitzi Hunter to boot. You haven't given a number to the public that people are going to be paying. All right. What will you raise the taxes by? Those people that can afford to buy a new home that is five, 10, 20 million dollars. You know what? With a private squash court, they can afford to pay a little bit more. This is, a, this is not good enough. Like, it just really is not good enough. It's a complete non-answer. You're not being straight with the people of Toronto. Now, the interesting thing, there's so many interesting things, but an aspect in all of this is, you may remember the day that Josh Matlow declared he was running on our show. The first thing out of his mouth was he was going to raise taxes. And he's been honest about that. He's been honest about the amount that he's going to raise taxes. And frankly, I think this is a conversation we need to have because we always have a great shopping list of things we want from government. And all the candidates have a shopping list of all the things they're promising to provide. You know, Mincy Hunter said, well, I'm going to open the subway a half hour earlier. OK, well, that costs money. Where's it going to come from? This city has a fiscal crisis. So to criticize Chow on the lack of specifics is legit. To criticize her on the fact that she is going to have to raise taxes, not as much. Which is why Josh Matlow decided to go after Mark Saunders and say, listen, you know, this whole mantra about uh, the gravy train and cutting expenses, how are you going to do that? Mark, rather than just say you're going to cut and, you know, find the gravy train and all that kind of stuff, can you please tell us exactly what you're going to cut and how much and how it's going to affect all right. uh, residents' daily services? Exactly. When we talk about fiscal accountability, we, we wake up in the morning and we hear that we are purchasing crack pipes and meth pipes. I don't think that that is something that we need to have as a priority. Wow. Okay, I'm not sure how much of a line item the crack pipes are, but it's a good line. I think this just tells us how much things are going to ramp up. 
And the metaphor or allegory that I've used for this mayor's race is it's kind of like the way cyclists race. And it's a lot like when you watch the Olympics, those walking races, everybody holds to a pack and then all of a sudden they open it up and that's when things get exciting. And so I think as the, consider the stakes, you know, I mean, one of you gets to be the mayor of Toronto. The rest of you get the steak knives. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Oh, a little bit of my favorite, Jim Cuddy, Greg Keeler. Thank you very much. It always says summer to me, Blue Rodeo, because they go on the festival circuit and uh, they're just a great outdoor act to take in on a beautiful summer's night. Mentioning in the five things you need to know, a teenage girl arrested in that fireworks incident. And I was astonished in watching the reporting last night on CTV that apparently we've had seven different incidents of fireworks being set off inside TTC vehicles uh, in just nine days. Like, where does something like that start? Do we... It's not popping. It's not popping. <laughs> yes, I think you could tell what somebody said. You effing idiot. And it's absolutely true. I mean, what a senseless and stupid and careless and dangerous thing to do, letting off fireworks in an enclosed space. So that 14-year-old has been arrested. Don't know anything about her. She appears quite clearly in the video. Not sure who shot it. So, you know, what level of stupidity was involved in terms of uploading it into social media and then everybody knowing exactly who it was. But the big question would be this. You know, what is... There was a considerable debate yesterday on our roundtables about the parents being punished. And yeah, parents can be responsible for kids' bad behavior. But at the same time, you know, I'm of an age now where I have friends who have kids in their teens and in their early 20s. And I know people who were really, really good parents and something just went south. And I don't know that they are to blame. It's not because they neglected their kids. It's not because they didn't love their kids. It's not because they didn't discipline their kids. They just ended up with kids who got themselves into trouble. And so in the case of this 14-year-old, the one thing I really do hope is that there are consequences, something I've observed over the last many years, even when I was a kid, as a matter of fact, is so, you know, you can't say, well, parents are different now. No, parents have reflexively defended their kids in the past as well. And so you have a kid who gets into trouble, and instead of the parent, I mean, I don't, think we need to go back to the days where the kid would be taken out in back of the house and uh, beaten with a leather belt. But you'd like to think that the parents disapprove of this, that they have some level of ability to rein their kid in and that there is a degree of remorse. But who knows? Maybe this kid still thinks it was a great idea. And then the question to you would be, what should be the punishment involved. I mean, kids do stupid things and you don't want to ruin somebody's entire life because they did a stupid thing. But surely there must be some kinds of consequences. Where are they getting these anyway? I, I, you can text me at 71010, I guess. Or Joe, maybe you know. I, There's a whole bunch of fireworks stores on the Queensway. Are there really? Oh, yeah. 
When I was a kid, there was like, you know, you had to go down a dark alley and into a basement somewhere where there was a guy who would, in a shadowy room, who would sell you some fireworks for Victoria. There's a couple of containers right at the, like, the corner of, like, the Sherwood Gardens Mall. Okay. Well, all right. Well, see, I I will have to familiarize myself with the uh, rules governing fireworks, because it used to be you had to go to a specialty place, and that people who were of a certain age wouldn't be allowed to buy fireworks, but maybe I'm wrong. Can we all agree, though, in, in the event that somebody wants to set off fireworks, that the dullest one of all was always the schoolhouse? I mean, there was a degree of relish in setting fire to a schoolhouse, which didn't look anything like the schools that any of us went to. Um, but it never really amounted to much more than a bright fire. So, Anthony Bass, the pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, did not actually end up on the field the first night, the night two nights ago when he issued an apology and then walked away. So he apologized for having retweeted and endorsed a biblical lecture about what's wrong with gay people. And then he didn't play the first night against the, uh, who was playing last night? So the Mariners? Okay. Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers, sorry. Very close. Uh, there was an M involved. So the Brewers. So last night he was sent out to the mound and it didn't go over all that well with fans. Sir, they're not booing. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling. I mean, it's not like he's a valuable enough player that Anthony Bass is going to be quietly dispatched somewhere, if only to the minor leagues, but perhaps another club. Because the thing about him is it just seems like he's not a particularly pleasant young man. Because his first wrinkle in all of this was getting all huffy over the fact that when his kids made a mess on a plane, that the uh, flight attendants wanted his wife to pick it up, and somehow it wasn't her problem. And, okay, I get it. The ground crew can vacuum when you get there, but it was a pretty big mess. And if you're going to make a mess with your little kids, because it's to be expected, then maybe you can clean that mess up. So um, we got to take a break here. Half-hour headlines are dead ahead, plus a check on traffic. But so many more stories to dig into, including uh, what happened in the House of Commons yesterday. And I cannot, I frankly can't quite wrap my head around how David Johnston reacted. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.36 on this Thursday morning, the 1st of June, I might add, 20 warm degrees in Nova Scotia, the wildfires continue, and um, more than 150 homes at last count had been lost. Some 16,000 people evacuated from their homes. A lot of the kinds of stories that have been told from previous wildfires, including pets that were left behind, and then the people who run in and try and rescue those pets, and the people who have lost everything. There was a couple profiled, actually they were on the Vashi Capella show yesterday, who not only lost their home, but also their business because they were running a daycare. Uh, we are joined by Peter Harrison. He's a Halifax radio show host and a friend of News Talk 1010. Good to have you, even under the circumstances. Good morning, Peter. 
Good morning, John. Okay, so how do we find things uh, this morning in Halifax and surrounding areas? I said earlier this morning on the air that it feels like kind of a a, a make-or-break day, and, and not to be too dramatic, and I'm certainly not a firefighter and not at the command center in Tantallon where uh, a, a lot of this is uh, happening this morning, but a make-or-break day because the temperature is going to reach 33 degrees today. Um, it, there are going to be winds blowing from the southwest at 20, gusting to 40. The fire is not under control, and it feels like, well, it feels almost like anything can happen from that sense, from the fire sense, although they're working hard to contain it. But this is going to be a very, very challenging day. Rain in the forecast, but not until Saturday, and thankfully, once that rain happens, it's going to be cool and showers right through until next Wednesday. Okay, so what kind of an impact is this happen- having on people? I imagine everyone's still, you know, those who can, everyone's going to work and stuff like that. But there must be a great deal of apprehension. Yeah, yeah, of course, there there is apprehension. Feeling a little bit more confident because the firefighters have done such a great job at containing the fire. Uh, so we're, we're kind of getting used to the emergency alerts these days. When an emergency alert happens, as one did last night, it might be bringing good news. Uh, one community has had their evacuation order rescinded, so they're allowed back into their homes as of this morning, but must be prepared to leave with uh, 30 minutes notice. So every time there's an emergency alert in, in the last couple of days, it's been, oh, God, what, what now? And now we're looking at them and saying, okay, maybe they're, they're carrying uh, some good news. But people are looking, we're starting to get a sense and reading between the lines that just what the long-term impact might be. Our premier stood up uh, at a news briefing yesterday and asked Ottawa and asked the rest of the provinces in the country for help and, and saying, basically, we really need anything you can give us and came up with a long list of, of asks from Ottawa in particular, uh, including more firefighters, uh, more water bombers. But looking ahead to what might be down the road for us, also asked for help with modular homes for those people who have been displaced and are going back to nothing. Uh, yes, we, I guess we knew we had to, to house people somewhere, but how that was going to happen, we're getting a hint of what that might happen. Also help for the agricultural industry in areas outside of Halifax that uh, are, have had their agriculture industry impact. Help for tourism as well uh, going forward. We're starting to get a glimpse of what the asks might be and what the future might be for uh, for our area. It's going to be a it's going to be a long a long haul to uh, to get back to to where we were. And Peter, I know I got to let you get back to your show, but uh, I understand you're doing a fundraiser. Yeah, we're doing a, a fundraiser for the SPCA today. I mean, everybody wants to help, but no one's exactly sure what they can do. This and there will be, believe me, lots of of asks and lots of opportunities going forward for uh, for people to help. But this one seems immediate because the SPCA is dealing with an unprecedented number of, uh, of pets and animals, some rescued from homes and some dropped off by families who are in housing that they just can't have their dog or their cat or other animal with them. So the SPCA has stepped in, as many people have, um, but uh, to go ahead and, and say, OK, yes, we'll take your animal, we'll, we'll come and get it. For you, we'll keep your dog here until you're ready to, to take it home. In the meantime, I mean, you can only imagine the strain that that's put on the SPCA and uh, everything from 
gas to go and pick up the animals, to uh, bleach, to clean uh, the facilities while the animals are, are there. So we've thrown together something very quickly called Mighty Paws for the SPCA, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what's happening today on our radio station. Peter, thanks a lot for this. John, anytime. Peter Harrison is a radio show host in Halifax. And yesterday, the mayor of Halifax was talking about the fact that an awful lot of these fires were started as a result of either campfires or people trying to execute controlled burns. And he says there is going to be a zero tolerance against burning anything. There's something else that people can do to support this cause. Don't burn. I want to put a new twist on an old favorite from a previous crisis. No blazes at home. We're serious about this. We're taking a no-tolerance approach. Charges will be laid against those who are burning outdoors, which includes penalties ranging from $250 to $10,000. Any person responsible for fire spread can also be required to pay expenses related to controlling or extinguishing the fire and all related damages. And whenever something like this happens, people get into a great roiling debate over climate change and other things. It would certainly seem to be clear that aspects of climate change are coming to bear. And I know it's a very, very popular talking point that always pops up. It's like, well, yeah, but the cause of the fire was arson and out of control campfires. It doesn't really matter what the trigger of the fire is. What is the severity of it? How does it spread? How frequently do we have these forest fires? How does the weather conspire to make them worse? Those are the questions. Um, but I get it. It's, I'm always fascinated when it comes to, like, especially I've told you in the past, I subscribe to these news services that send talking points out to conservative talk radio and conservative talk television in the United States. And they always come up with a shopping list of here's how to address this question today. And whenever there's a forest fire, the talking point goes out and says, yeah, but they were actually, some of these were arson, so it's not really that big a deal. Did you know, I think it's State Farm has ceased to offer fire insurance uh, against anything forest fire related in the state of California. And it's because it's become the norm. It's 544, David Johnston. Actually, he's not the issue here off the top. The issue would be that all of the opposition parties combined to vote to say that Justin Trudeau should fire David Johnston, or at the very least, David Johnston should, you know, quietly retire. It was an NDP motion passed yesterday, 174 to 150. But David Johnston says he's not leaving. And I can't quite figure that out. I mean, why does he want this? I get the technicality of it because he is kind of hidebound by tradition. I mean, this is a guy who's made his life in academia. And then as the governor general, as the governor general, the partition of powers and, you know, all kinds of other issues come to bear. So maybe he's being a bit of a purist or a fetishist about this. But just, you know, you and your wife have a great life and your family and your grandkids and whatever it is you're doing in retirement. Why do you want to be in the center of this ridiculous maelstrom. All right, time to say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, good to see you. Good morning. Hey, John, okay, well, let's start right here. Last night, big debate aired live on CP24 from 7 to 8.30, and the candidates pretty much roundly taking a run at front row to Olivia Chow. Makes sense. They were attacking her on taxes uh, and her spending plans in a pretty wide-ranging debate. 
This is the home stretch. The election is taking place on the 26th of June, and I think it's pretty clear that Olivia Chow has such a sizable lead that for the other candidates, somebody's got to take her down, or collectively, they've got to take her down in order for anybody else to have a chance. It was mostly about taxation last night. There was also a lot of arguing about um, housing policy, but, uh, you know, Brad Bradford and uh, Josh Matlow going after Olivia Chow, uh, mm -hmm. the former police chief going after her as well, all of her taxation. And she's been able to sort of float above all of this because they kept on saying, how much are you going to raise taxes? And she just refuses to disclose. Mm -hmm. And she still has such a massive lead yeah. and has been the constant in this uh, in the polls. All right. Turning now to some federal politics, the special rapporteur, David Johnston, is rejecting the call to step aside. There was a vote moved by the NDP yesterday in the House, and it passed by 174 to 150 that David Johnston should be dismissed and that there should be a public inquiry. David Johnston came back in a statement, a written statement, and said he is not quitting. So he's going to continue on with this investigation that he's running. And I think this continues to be a pretty fraught file for Justin Trudeau. Yeah, it's kind of turned into a bit of a sideshow, you know, that side of this whole situation here, John, that's for sure. So we'll continue to watch those developments. In the meantime, back here in Toronto, a 14-year-old girl has been charged in connection with setting off a firework inside a TTC bus earlier this week. Uh, a really shocking scene. That's got to be a difficult conversation with the parents. It is, and even more shocking is the revelation that apparently this yes. has happened uh, aboard all kinds of uh, vehicles. It's uh, seven times in nine days that people have set off fireworks inside a TTC vehicle. But you're right, it's a 14-year-old girl. She's going to appear in court on July 14th. She is charged with mischief, endangering life, but she is 14 years old, so I'm not sure what necessarily the consequences of this are going to be, mm -hmm. and I hope she's got good parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, disturbing stuff. Okay, turning to something else now. <laughs> Uh, yesterday, the Blue Jays played and fans really booed Anthony Bass, their, the relief pitcher, into oblivion during uh, an appearance versus the Brewers. The 35-year-old pitcher got to the mound and people started to boo. They played the music loudly so that they could try and cover up the boos, mm. but it was unmistakable. Mm. Uh, also, Toronto losing that particular yeah. game. But I have to wonder, Anthony Bass is probably not long for either the Major League Blue Jays. Maybe he'll get bounced down to the minors or maybe they'll just dump him off to some other franchise. It was interesting to see Marcus Stroman, former Blue Jays pitcher, uh, in the starting rotation saying that nobody in the locker Room. Nobody on the team wants Anthony Bass on that team here. He's been tweeting pretty vigorously about wow. Anthony Bass. Uh, so that is a sort of interesting side to this story as well. Not sure if any of the Jays players will come out and refute that or not. But however, there's a tie-in, of course, to this next story. John, of course, here we are, June 1st. Pride Month has arrived, and Anthony Bass's comments coming, of course, just a couple of days, or at least the repost coming just two days before it gets underway. But let's focus on Pride Month in Toronto. Well, you know what? It does play into things, though, because it seems that there is a bit of tension as we enter into mm -hmm. Pride Month. We mm -hmm. had a flag, a Pride flag, that was ripped in Niagara after being taken down from a pole. There was somebody at a uh, school board meeting who compared the Pride flag to a Nazi flag. Mm. But let's turn to the positive stuff. This is a very vibrant month. There are 60 different Pride parades happening around the province of Ontario. Toronto's event happens on the 25th, one day before the election. And it's just a month of you know, celebration, cultural events, uh, fundraising events, and hopefully uh, not as much tension as we've seen in the last two weeks. Yeah, it really is a fun month. Always love uh, Pride Month in Toronto. News Talk 1010's John Moore. Have a great Thursday. We'll chat with you tomorrow. Take care. Thanks, John. Jennifer Chung and Nick Dixon over at CP24.
And I actually haven't heard this clip, but let's uh, listen and let's share it together. This is uh, number 26, Nick. Uh, Natalie, Natalia Benoit, Niagara Catholic School Board trustee. Um, basically, I mean, you know, she has the same position that Jerry Agar has, which is forget about specialty flags, just fly the Canadian flag, the provincial flag and the municipal flag. But as always, whenever somebody goes to Nazi stuff, it's a really bad choice. So, Natalia, what happened today in there? We were supposed to vote on on not putting the trans or the pride or the trans flag up in June or any flag. So what happened? We don't want that either, right? Okay, I didn't hear anything about a Nazi flag in there. Did she say that? Oh, it's there. Okay, well. Maybe. Or any flag. Yeah, like so what happened? Flag. We don't want that oh, either. Okay, right? she got, as they say in the radio industry, walked. The guy was talking while she was talking. Um, yeah, no, just don't do it. <laughs> Make no Nazi comparisons. Uh, but it's it does seem interesting that I, I think there there has been a resentment over the many years and people have stayed quiet because it doesn't play particularly well and if you're working for a corporation that is putting up pride flags or put or endorses the parade or supports the parade then you'll keep your thoughts to yourself but over the last few years in a tide that started in the united states and has now reached our shores people have been emboldened to speak their minds and say things about race and gender and sexuality and trans issues and all kinds of other things that in the old days would be considered self-incriminating. Like, okay, you're not a very good person. Now people are like, well, I have the right to this. And you do, you absolutely do, but you don't have the right for, or not the right, but you are not automatically entitled to a degree of endorsement or acceptance. And if it makes you unpopular, that's too bad. But there's this false talking point that you say something unpopular, people come down on you, and then your rights have been infringed. So this is going to be interesting to talk about on the roundtable. And actually, Mark Tui is on the morning brief this morning at 6.20. Always look forward to his incisive and pointed views on the day's big stories. But Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford have reached a tentative deal worth billions and billions of dollars to save this Stellantis battery plant here in Ontario. The quick background on this is Ontario set out several years ago to become a powerhouse in the construction of electric vehicles, and that's going to have a lot of knock-on benefits, including now a battery plant, and then the raw ingredients to make those batteries. The problem seems to be, though, that we keep on having to roll out these truckloads of money in order to convince these companies they should settle here. And it's a debate worth having, which is why it's going to be on the roundtable and why we'll talk with Mark Tui about it as well. The problem is we have reached the point where to get it's, a lot of this is in the auto industry and the airline industry to get these big plants and these amazing jobs, well-paying jobs, which are taxed. So, you know, you get them in Canada, you get 50 percent of the income back. But to get them, we have to lie down and roll over and let these company and, and just beg these companies and keep on offering them money. And if we don't, there are 50 states that will. So it's, it's a devil's bargain. 
And I, you know, I've been talking with economists over the last little while, and it's still a bit of homework that I'm doing. I want to figure out if when you look at the balance sheet at the end of the day, if it makes sense. But one of the other interesting aspects in this particular deal is you can't make it a partisan affair because if you just hate Justin Trudeau for rolling out the money for a battery plant or a Volkswagen plant, then in this case, Doug Ford is fully on board. So either you like this kind of corporate welfare or you don't, but you can't make it a partisan affair and just like it or hate it because of who's on board, because Trudeau and Doug Ford, and apparently a lot of this is about Doug Ford's personal friendship with the finance minister and deputy prime minister, Christia Freeland. And the two of them spent a lot of time on the phone and the feds and the province and the civil servants spent a lot of time going back and forth and they reached this deal to sweeten what was already a sweet deal for Stellantis. And there's a degree of hostage taking here as well because Stellantis stopped construction of the plant and said, give us more money. So they're like a spoiled child. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.